Now, it's my great honor and privilege to introduce the Honorable Troy Nunley, United States District Judge for the Eastern District of California. Judge Nunley received his BA from St. Mary's College of California and his JD from UC Hastings. Don't clap there. Uh, he served in the District Attorney's Office for Alameda and Sacramento Counties and then worked in the Attorney, California Attorney General's Office. 2002, he was appointed to the Sacramento County Superior Court, and later, President Barack Obama appointed him to the federal bench. Judge Nunley has been honored by the California Association of Black Lawyers for service to the community. He's been recognized as a state expert on criminal street gangs. He served on the Hate Crimes Task Force, and he's taught at Lincoln Law School in Sacramento. He's also been a very dedicated supporter of UC Davis School of Law. He's welcomed many externs and law clerks from King Hall and sworn in graduates who just passed the bar exam. And his daughter, Simone Nunley, is a member of the class of 2018 and is in the audience today. Judge Nunley also supports the King Hall Legal Foundation and plays in the annual charity golf tournament where he literally holds court on the ninth hole. Please welcome Judge Troy Nunley. Um, before I get started with my prepared remarks, um, just join me. Mr. Harris, can you stand up? Stand up. Mr. and Mrs. Harris, can you stand up, please? Ladies and gentlemen, please give, please give them another round of applause. I had to do that because they're fellow San Franciscans, so I had to do that. And another thing, um, Mr. Harris, um, just a few points. You, you and I know each other. You know I'm a federal judge, and I'll say this. You never give a more outstanding speech, a more inspiring speech, a better speech, a more articulate speech than the commencement speaker. Never do that, okay? <laughs> because now I have to live up to that. So that was outstanding. Thank you. Um, thank you, Provost Hexter, Dean Johnson, UC Davis Law School faculty and administration for inviting me to be with you today as a 2019 speaker. I also want to thank these outstanding 2019 graduates for welcoming here, me here today to share in this outstanding achievement. Graduates, today is your day. You no longer have to listen to faculty talk about federal jurisdiction, executive privilege, jurisdiction in cyberspace, international aspects of US taxation. On the other hand, the faculty no longer has to listen to your complaints <laughs> about grades, a crushing workload, or Professor Tanaka's legal research and writing class. Graduates, I am so grateful for the privilege of sharing this occasion and speaking to you here today. I must say that I am singularly impressed with the quality of King Hall Law students. Many of you I know personally from my many visits to King Hall. Some of you I know more intimately as former externs, 
and from your frequent visits to my courtroom. My daughter, um, Simone Nunley, graduated from King Hall in 2018, and is now practicing employment law in San Rafael. I will say this. King Hall graduates rate favorably with law school graduates from some of the best law schools in America, Harvard, Stanford, Yale, Columbia, Duke, and that second tier public university, Berkeley. Sorry, Dean. <laughs> in addition, the last several years, King Hall has enjoyed a bar passage rate that far exceeds the average here in California. This is truly a testament to the outstanding faculty here at King Hall, as well as the outstanding leadership of Dean Johnson. King Hall graduates, it wasn't too long ago that I was in your position. Okay, uh, maybe it was some years ago that I was in your position, but I imagine some of the thoughts that are going through your heads, uncertainty, fear, hope, and a host of other feelings and emotions. Some of you are simply thinking, well, what a relief it is to finally graduate from law school. Newsflash, all of your parents are 10 times more relieved than you are <laughs> because now you are one step closer to being independent and self-reliant. Of course, some of you in the audience have no idea what these graduates have gone through the past three years. You're probably thinking, it's school. How hard can it be? Well, for the unenlightened, let me tell you that these graduates have spent many sleepless nights reading, writing, editing, and studying for exams. They have also spent endless hours working, externing, attending social functions, listening to law school professors drone on and on, and going to lunch with Professor Tanaka. And, uh, <laughs> and I'll, I'll note on that, he always pays for lunch. 2019 graduates, as you properly receive applause and praise for your outstanding accomplishment on this special day, please remember to appreciate all who help you get to where you are today. Applaud and appreciate those who have helped you along the way. I sincerely want you to think about the sacrifices others have made on your behalf. Parents, grandparents, siblings, friends, professors, acquaintances. As for myself, last weekend, as I celebrated Mother's Day, I once again reflected on my profound appreciation for all the hardships and sacrifices my mother has made on behalf of myself and my siblings. All of my family's history comes from the oral history told me by my mother. My mother's great-grandmother was a slave who shared her stories of life on a plantation in the Deep South. My great-great-grandmother was a hard worker who worked on a sugar plantation. Now, you have to understand that growing and processing sugar was excruciating work. Slaves had to plant, cut, and mill the sugar, which was year-round work, unlike picking cotton. 
My great-great-grandmother could work harder and longer than most other slaves on the sugar plantation. My mother was inspired and greatly appreciated the sacrifices made by her great-grandmother. She absolutely idolized her great-grandmother, who died at the age of 105 years old. My mother came to California from the segregated South when she was a teenager. When she encountered her first white person upon coming to California, she was simply amazed at how well she was treated. It was much different in the South where she couldn't eat with whites, she couldn't go to school with white kids, she couldn't drink from the same fountain as whites, she couldn't walk through the same door as whites or have any meaningful contact with whites. After leaving the South as a teenager with my grandmother and her sisters, my mother never returned. When we were younger, she would have us talk to her father, my grandfather, on the telephone. And one summer, she promised my grandfather that we would all come visit him for the first time, so he sent us plane tickets. One week later, he died of a heart attack. My mother once told me that growing up in the segregated South made her feel fearful and afraid of white people and robbed her of her childhood. She has never gone back to the South. My mother was a very smart woman who grew immensely confident after coming to California. She went to high school in San Francisco and was a tremendous athlete. However, she stopped playing sports in order to focus on her dream of graduating from college. As she liked to tell us kids, once she knew she was the smartest, fastest, and strongest student, the only thing that mattered to her was being the smartest. Against my grandmother's wishes, my mother enrolled in college. My grandmother felt that a woman's place was in a home, and since my mother was a single parent taking care of four children, my mother should stay at home and raise kids. For years, my mother and my grandmother remained estranged over my mother's desire to go to college. My mother worked two jobs while attending college. She worked at the Pacific Bell, the old AT&T, and she worked with abused teenage girls. Although my mother one day hoped to move us out of public housing, she also wanted to improve conditions in our impoverished community. She was a community activist. She fought to improve the horrible living conditions in our public housing, which brought her to the attention of the former Speaker of the California Assembly, Willie Brown, and Mayor George Moscone. After graduating from college, she ran a foster home for abused and neglected teenage girls. For my mother's birthday last year, in addition to my siblings, 20 or so of my sisters also attended the birthday party. They continue to visit with my mother at the senior assisted living facility where she now lives. When you go there, and if you ever happen to go visit her, she will show you a picture of her receiving an award from President Ronald Reagan. My mother now suffers from um, dementia, and no one has the heart to tell her that it's, all, it's really a picture of her receiving an award from former California Governor George Duke Majin. <laughs> Graduates, as I reflected on what to say to you today, I wanted to talk about my mother and how she appreciated the sacrifices her great-grandmother made. 
My mother was inspired by a wise and old former slave to reach her goals. In turn, I appreciate and I was inspired to reach my goals by the example set by my mother. Without her guidance, perseverance, consistency, love and support, I certainly would not have made it out of my impoverished community. I was also inspired by my mother's commitment to helping the less fortunate and her community activism. I imagine I would not be here speaking to you today as a federal judge without the brave men and women like my mother who participated in the civil rights movement of the 1960s. Last month marked the 50th anniversary of UC Davis Law School being named in honor of Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. Certainly, Dr. King was one of those brave souls and his spirit lives on in King Hall. During his commencement speech to the 2016 King Hall graduates, United States Congressman John Lewis talked about growing up in the rural South and the sacrifices he and a host of others made in the fight for civil rights. On a personal level, I remember as a little boy playing outside my grandmother's house with several, several of my cousins. When we went inside that night, all of the assembled adults were crying uncontrollably. I was almost four years old that day, but I have a vivid recollection of seeing all the people I looked up to standing around the television crying. I and my family, we were all profoundly affected by the assassination of Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. A few weeks ago, um, I was being introduced as a speaker at an event at California State University, Sacramento, and the um, person who was introducing me certainly did their homework. It was mentioned that as a youngster, I would watch the legal drama Perry Mason with my grandmother. While most of my young friends were watching cartoons, I watched every legal drama on television, including Perry Mason and Orrin Marshall, attorney at law. You see, the death of Martin Luther King Jr. inspired me to want to help my community. As I grew older, I saw law as a means to make society a better place to live. So I tell you, graduates, you should be instilled with a sense of gratitude. Your parents, guardians, and loved ones have certainly made sacrifices so that you can attend this fine institution. I am certainly in my current position due primarily to my mother. Then there are those like Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. who have made tremendous sacrifices and who continue to inspire us all. Therefore, the first challenge I issue to tonight's graduates is to repay your loved ones, parents, guardians, and professors by using your law degree to enhance the practice of law and by serving others. Learn from the example set by Dr. King and others. Go into the community, find a need, and fill it. Think back to when you first imagined yourself as a lawyer. Some of you wanted to do transactional work, litigate, work for the defense, do plaintiff's work, or work for the prosecution. I imagine it's even possible that some of you wanted to practice tax law. When I was in high school, my mother 
who became a probation officer in San Francisco, introduced me to a San Francisco Superior Court judge. I told Judge Mallon that I had a notion that I wanted to be a judge one day. He told me to write down any plans I have for myself and list how I could actually accomplish my goals. I followed his advice. And as my list grew over the years, I was well on a path that led me to law school, practicing law, judging at both the state and federal levels, the White House, where I met former President Barack Obama, and United States Supreme Court, where I took shots of tequila with Supreme Court Justice Antonin Scalia. <laughs> that was a really interesting night. <laughs> By the way, my mother did go to Washington with me as she sat in the Senate Judiciary Chamber during my confirmation hearing. And if you ever want to see the most comical um, support from a parent and my mother trying to keep a clear face without commenting, take a look at that because it's part of the archives and you can see my mother literally trying to hold in her anger at some of the questions that were being posed to me during that. It's really funny. <laughs> Graduates, explore the opportunities that legal field has to offer. Your success is not necessarily dependent upon your title, salary, or economics. It's certainly not measured by the type of law you choose to practice. Success is really measured by your ability to see a goal through to its conclusion. In fact, on a personal level, I found that I was most miserable when I deviated from my career goals and decided to practice law simply to make more money. Success can also be measured by what you give back to society. Although a career in law can provide material wealth, I urge each of you to not let that guide your actions as lawyers. Instead, enhance the practice of law by focusing on ways to improve the legal system. Some of the things you can work on in that regard are access to justice, fairness, quality of justice, diversity, and service to the public. Judges throughout the United States, both federal and state, are certainly doing their part. The Judicial Council over the last several years has instituted a self-help center to help Californians through the legal system and help them find free or low-cost assistance. The service provides useful information on issues dealing with landlord-tenant, family law, domestic violence, small claims, and other areas. The federal courts have mandated that we as judges provide access to justice for pro se litigants or litigants seeking to represent themselves. Graduates, your King Hall Law School education has prepared you to go out into the world and find your life's work. Without a doubt, they have given you the tools to function as productive members of the legal profession. Most importantly, however, serve the legal profession by informing the public of the positive aspects of the law. Let's face it, the legal profession has received quite a bit of negative press, some of which is contrived by the media and some of which is self-inflicted. 
There are a number of courtroom dramas which portray trials as quick, simple, and perfunctory exercises, and which portray the practice of law as a game of one-upmanship. These dramas depict prosecutors, defense attorneys, and civil attorneys that's only interested in winning their respective cases at all costs. Simply put, these dramas are not interested in portraying courtroom ethics, civility, or decorum. Unfortunately, some members of the public have a notion that these dramas truly depict the legal profession. To some extent, real-world events have not helped dispel such notions. As I read the recent edition of the Daily Journal, I see attorneys disciplined by the State Bar for committing such acts as fraud, money laundering, grand theft, misappropriation of client funds, and professional misconduct. Also, the proliferation of cameras in the courtroom seem to focus on the negative aspects of trial practice. However, I am here to tell you that the majority of attorneys who appear before me in trial or for various conferences are well-mannered, courteous, and respectful. I wish the, the cameras could show the public that most attorneys conduct their affairs with a high degree of ethics, decorum, and professionalism. Therefore, my second challenge to you graduates is to be an ambassador for the legal profession. Demonstrate to the public that lawyers are ethical, well-mannered, and respectful. Believe me, you can accomplish this without jeopardizing your ability to advocate on behalf of your client. It is up to each of you graduates to practice law, law with a mind towards the ethical considerations that you will definitely face in your legal career. 2019 King Hall graduates, you are an outstanding group of bright, articulate, inquisitive, and intelligent young people. For anyone who says that this generation is uninformed, misguided, or disaffected, I say to them, please meet our 2019 graduates. Graduates, each time I meet with you, I come away impressed with your preparedness, knowledge, vision, inquisitive natures, and hopefulness. Of all these qualities I mentioned, I implore you to never lose hope and to continue to prepare yourselves. Hope is what make this, makes this world what it is today. Former President Obama, while a senator, wrote a book, The Audacity of Hope, detailing his vision on emotional patriotism, equality, and freedom. To hope is to live, and being hopeful in advance of what you want in life, graduates, gives your life meaning and assures that you are alive. Hope is what carried a single divorced mother on welfare to write some of the most popular Harry Potter books of our generation, J.K. Rowling. A 65-year-old man receiving Social Security to start selling his fried chicken recipes to restaurant owners and get rejected 1,009 times before founding one of the most popular fast food restaurants in history, Kentucky Fried Chicken. A young man who failed as a short order cook, carpenter, and waiter before going on to start a company, sell it to Yahoo for $5.9 billion in stock and buy the Dallas Mavericks NBA team, Mark Cuban. 
And lastly, a struggling writer who was rejected by 27 different publishers to forge ahead until he finally published his first book, To Think That I Saw It on Mulberry Street, Dr. Seuss. Finally, on a more personal level, hope is what carried me from one of the worst drug-infested, crime-ridden projects in California. I remember my brother and I looking out the window, discussing our lives, discussing our poverty, our neighborhood, our single, exhausted mother. We were hopeful as we told one another then that we would one day get out of the projects and make better lives for ourselves. Ourselves. Graduates, as I look in your eyes, I see the same sense of hope. As I mentioned earlier, over the years I've come to meet many of you, and each time I come away believing that I see young men and women who will one day be leaders. Here's the blueprint for each of you graduates. Think about what you ultimately want to do with your lives. Each of you are prepared for success. However, it is evident from the famous names that I mentioned earlier, be mindful of failure. The difference between success and failure, successful people learn from their failures. I have personally experienced failure on a number of different occasions. Professor Tanaka, I know you're shocked by that, but I have. Don't take your failures and dwell on those failures. Do what I did and say, good, that's one more way how not to do it. Failure is simply life's way of telling you that you're pushing an envelope and it will make you work that much harder to accomplish your goals. Remember that when he was working on the light bulb, Thomas Edison said he hadn't failed 10,000 times, he simply found 10,000 ways that didn't work. The experiences that you've had here at King Hall, both the good times and bad times, but especially the bad, should prepare you for the challenges ahead. All of you have shown motivation, intelligence, and perseverance, so don't let your fears and concerns get in the way of your hopes or waylay your preparedness. And whatever you do, continue to give 100% hope, dream, and prepare. Then you will truly know that you are alive. Your dreams will come to pass if you have hope, courage, and belief in yourself. There is a light at the end of the tunnel. Graduates, step up and remember in the coming years to have hope, prepare, and take risks. While you walk down the path towards accomplishing your goals, do not be afraid to take risks or your hopes and dreams might always be just hopes and dreams. I'd like to end with a quotation from the American critic, John Mason Brown. No one, I am convinced, can be happy who lives only for himself. The joy of living comes from immersion in something that we know to be bigger, better, more enduring, and worthier than we are. Congratulations to the class of 2019.